With nearly every success, there is a line of failures and setbacks, sometimes a very long line. Many of those stories get condensed into pithy journeys that minimize the struggle. That's where From the Ashes with Mark Azalay comes in. On today's show, you'll hear honest conversations about triumph and disaster that Mark's guests faced and how they overcame the adversity to shine. Now, here's your host, Mark Azalay. Welcome to From the Ashes. I'm your host, Mark Azoulay, and I'm sitting here with Donna Peters. I first met Donna actually being on her podcast. Uh, she reached out to me to be interviewed for the Me Suite, um, which is a podcast that she makes for leaders, executives, people that are struggling that want to bring some of that C-suite energy into their own personal lives. Um, she's an executive coach. She's an award-winning podcast host based in Atlanta, but works worldwide. Donna, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. And I like the way you said that, bringing the C-suite energy. I'm going to have to use that. <laughs> you know what? You know, I did be pretty good this thing, trying to help you market and hype things up. Um, I like it. a little bit of that, a little bit of that tagline. But I'm so happy to have you here because, you know, I think when I was interviewed on your show, you said that you want to be me when you grow up. I also kind of want to be you when I grow up. You know, I think we're both doing these really interesting things where we're going into businesses and bringing more of that personal connection, right? Bringing more of that human element, which is so lacking. Yes, I love this. I think you might be too young to know the the Wonder Twins. Do you remember the cartoon? I do. The Wonder I'm also, Twins? I'm also a nerd, so, you know. <laughs> okay, good. All right, well, maybe that's who we are. We're Wonder Twin Powers Activate. Let's go. Exactly. <laughs> well, I'd love to hear more about you um, and more about your personal story, you know? So on this podcast, we talk about stories of recovery uh, you know, times you were knocked down, times where, you know, the world was ripped away from your eyes and you had to wake up and take a new step forward, kind of that rebirth process. So I'm excited to hear uh, what you have to bring to the table. So Donna, what is your From the Ashes story? I'm going to anchor my story around the word disappointment. And I was an English major, and so I geek out on words. I nerd out on words. And if you really go to the root of what the word disappointment meant originally, it literally meant being removed from office. So disappointed, oh, <laughs> removed yeah. from office, right? That's really interesting. Yeah, yeah. And of course, it later became known for what you and I know it, which is sadness, sense of loss, etc. And disappointment really for me was both of those things. It was a sense of loss, but it literally was a remove from office in that up until this uh, moment in my career that I will share, I had everything completely in my control. And everything that I touched went exactly the way that I wanted it to go. And then the disappointment, I basically was removed from my own office and completely out of control of, of all these things spinning. So, I thought I would share that story about disappointment. It, it's something that I, I learned a little bit later in my career. I wished I had learned a lot earlier. I see it a lot in my executive coaching practice and thought some others might see themselves in this mirror. So that, that's where I'll plan to take this. Yeah, I think it's a fantastic topic. You know, Similarly, in my work with high performers, they can't deal with disappointment. And I can't either. Like That's yeah. one of my main triggers is being let down, feeling yeah. betrayed, feeling abandoned. Um, we'll probably get to that in a later segment, but it is such an important topic and something that doesn't get talked about, I don't think, nearly enough. Yeah, it's, uh, it certainly can be a downer uh, if, if you're in the middle of the disappointment, but I, I'm really thrilled to tell this story having come out the other side. So 
I thought that I would start it with what was going on at the time that made me feel like I was on the top of the mountain and then the the, the disappointment that occurred. So let me start to talk specifics. Um, I was the kid who always made straight A's. I uh, achieved at anything that I did, but partly that was because I didn't do things I wasn't good at. <laughs> right. So I self-selected into doing the things that I knew that I would excel at. And so that translated into things like Donna made really good grades. Donna performed well in the job interview and got the job. Donna got promoted really fast. Uh, Donna was given responsibilities earlier than others, et cetera, et cetera. Anyway, fast forward, that translated into me being in a very coveted, very high pressure, very visible career in strategy consulting. And it's real similar to law firms in that the way you move up the ladder in strategy consulting is you become a partner. That's like the rung that everybody wants to to grab is the promotion to partner. It's what you strive for. The truth is most people wash out and never make it to that level. At the time that I was pursuing it, I also was one of the few women going after that at that level for a variety of reasons that are getting a lot better in the world. But, it, but at the time, uh, women were few in that position. And I was on the cusp of this promotion, which would have been the milestone moment in the career. At the exact same time, my father got a very poor diagnosis of an aggressive cancer. And I had a client who decided they didn't like me and wanted to fire me from a project. And at the exact same time, there was a lot of stress and disruption in my family because we were managing some addiction issues with some family members. So all of that was circling and happening at the exact same time. And I was so career focused and wanting this promotion to happen in this year that I said to myself, well, of course, I'm going to juggle all these balls because I can, right? I've, I've, put my mind to anything in the past, and I'm going to make this happen. So what I did not realize until in hindsight was because all of this was happening to my network, right? My, my, my network of, uh, in the professional world where I had a client decide that they didn't particularly like me, wanted to fire me from a project, uh, the family implication of my father's diagnosis, uh, the other anchor of my family uh, dealing with addiction issues all happening at once, I didn't really have anybody to go and talk to about anything that was upsetting or insecure. But again, it doesn't matter because what Donna focuses on, Donna achieves, right? That, that, That was my mantra. As a matter of fact, I was trying to think for you what my typical mantra was at that time. And it basically was Donna delivers. Oh yeah. That was my, that was my mind, uh, my, the track, the soundtrack in my mind was Donna Delivers. So anyway, what ended up happening was uh, everything imploded. So I, I, I called this era the uh, my mid-career implosion uh, because what ended up happening was I did nothing well and disappointed everyone around me, whether it was professional or extended family or close family. Uh, to where I did not get the promotion that year because I couldn't give work what work needed. I made some very disappointing decisions uh, with my family and not being there at some times when I, when I, in hindsight, think that my father really needed me. I later was able to course correct that, but it, but at the time, those were bad decisions. 
Um, and then on my on my uh, on my family side, that became one of the rockiest roads of at the time. I think my twenty year marriage, right, where, where I just wasn't there for people because I was trying to do everything right for everyone. Therefore, I did nothing right for anyone. <laughs> And oh, 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 and, and, and I have to add myself into this equation. Um, I gained 40 pounds, which is a lot of weight. Oh, yeah. I gained 40 pounds and uh, became like a 35 to 40 year old person broken out in acne, which was beautiful, as you can imagine. <laughs> so it was, it was just every, it was the, the, the era of implosion. And I ended up uh, doing a little bit of self-reflection on a red-eye flight from Seattle to Birmingham uh, when I did not know if my father would still be alive when I landed on the other side. And in on that red-eye flight, you know how the, the um, pilot comes on on a red-eye? It's dark, and the pilot kind of whispers just to you know, let, let you know that we're two hours out from Birmingham. It was that night, right? So you can imagine the plane was so quiet. It was yeah. so dark. You just have the hum. It was almost like a, like a meditation, the hum of the motor, of the engine, you know? And I remember just sitting there, uh, and I'm, I've never been a meditator, right? That I'm, I'm, I had never done that. I had never had a yoga practice or anything like that. But I, I kind of meditated that night on this, this flight that never ended, right? It felt like the flight forever um, of... If somebody were to write the summary of me on the front page of the New York Times, what would I be the most proud of it saying? And it wasn't selling this piece of work at this client that would have made me partner, right? It would have been doing what I knew my parents would have wanted me to have done as a a caring, loving human, (laughs) Right. Not as a career driven robot, but a caring, loving human. And so I, I landed that uh, that that morning, I guess, probably 530 in the morning. I landed that morning and I the first thing my father said to me when he saw me was, oh, my gosh, I'm so sorry that I pulled you away from work. Ooh. And then I knew. Yeah. yeah, I knew that's a strong message. This is bad. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so I and so I, I finally got up enough courage to take a leave of absence. And that's what it took for me. And I was fortunate to financially be able to do that and to be working for a company that was supportive of that type of thing. Uh, but it's what I ended up needing to do. Uh, it also meant I did not get the promotion in the year that I had expected it. Uh, but I was able to be uh, with my father at the time that I needed to be. Uh, while also having the mind space and the energy to focus on the other family issue that was going on with addiction trouble. Uh, and I now, since that time, I've done two additional leaves of absence just for fun reasons, because <laughs> I, I realized how how powerful it was and how uh, work is work and it's always going to be there. And who are you, Donna Peters, to think that you're so indispensable that you can't disappear for three months? I mean, please get over yourself. Um, but anyway, I, 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 I have when I say disappointment in, in the theme of my story, uh, at first I was just disappointing everyone. But I didn't really make a change until I really thought that I was disappointing myself. <laughs> and it, has, it completely changed my life as a leader of other people. That doesn't mean I'm perfect. I'm not trying to say I fixed everything, but it really changed me 
in how I interacted with others, in how I am more supportive of others. Uh, I had never had children, so I didn't even have the mother component, right, of, of how do I look you know, generous and how do, how do I look uh, empathetic to mothers in the workplace? I didn't even have that dimension. If anything, that meant I got more work because I was the one willing to say, oh, I'll do it on the weekend or I'll do it late tonight because I didn't have children at home. Um, so I, it took me a long time to get there. And I, um, I, I am proud of coming out of the other side. Uh, but I'm, I'm very I'm embarrassed to have uh, lost a year of really stupid priorities. Uh, just dumb. Um, but I'm hoping that other people, if, if they you'll find themselves, you're career driven, right? You're career driven. But how can you be life minded at the same time? So I'm going to stop talking there for a moment and see. Oh, I'm just absorbing your story. I mean, it's it's a crazy perfect storm. That sounds like you went through of just you know yeah. starting to have disappointment and failure and setbacks across almost every dimension of life that you can think of. And I can really hear this idea of, you know, driving towards partner, driving towards that success, trying to juggle, right? Keep all those plates spinning, right? Keep all those balls in the air. And I'd imagine just being humbled, like really, it sounds like really hitting like a real limit, right? A real maximum capacity. I'm curious, how did you feel or what was going through your head at that time? Like, was it anxiety, fear, grief, anger, like mania? Like, how did you keep... How do you keep it all together, you yeah. know, when you are moving forward? So similar to the little mantra I had had of Donna delivers, uh, I, I created a new one <laughs> during that period, which is, okay, I get it, universe. It's now my turn. This is my dark night of the soul, mm-hmm. right? Right? I guess I, I had not until that time really been stressed and pressured with something majorly negative, right? I had not had any significant deaths in my family. My parents were happily married. I had, you know, nothing terrible had happened, right, uh, until this time. And so part of me, rational, right? Remember, I'm the business-minded person, and I'm rational, and I get stuff done. Uh, that, that part of me was saying, well, okay, it's your turn. <laughs> so that was, but the emotional side of me said, okay, this is your dark night of the soul, and you're, you're going to come out of this uh, a very different person. Yeah. I'd love to talk more about that with you because in the recovery community, right, mm. we call that rock bottom. But it's okay. a very similar idea of like the moment when we're just totally tapped out and we're at a limit and it feels mm. like we've lost everything. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I feel very fortunate to have had a few people in my life at that time that I, I didn't open up to, but that I later went and thanked. <laughs> I didn't op- open up to them at the time because I was not willing to be vulnerable in that way. That was not natural for me, but I was able to, uh, to go to them later and just say, thank you for being you in that moment. Yeah. How did they help you? Like, what did the people around you respond and react when you were in that? I think that they knew me well enough to not ask a lot of probing questions because they probably knew I wasn't going to share a lot of personal details, but they signaled that if you need me, I'm here. And that was enough for me. Yeah. So many people you can count on. Yeah. Yeah. And, and who, who knew that I probably wasn't going to be really loose lipped about some stuff. I wasn't going to come completely clean and dump a lot of baggage because that was never, that had not been my style. I can dump some pretty good baggage now though. And it feels pretty good. 
<laughs> yeah, that's what I was reflecting on, right? From our conversations, like you seem uh, you're such an open, transparent, you know, honest, authentic person. Well, thank but you. when I think of that Donna that you were describing, that's sitting on that plane, and by mm-hmm. the way, what a like powerful image, yeah, right? It's just yeah, just so much like tightness is the word that comes to mind, mm-hmm. or just like like you're about to explode, right? Like they're just there's fires everywhere. Um, yeah, you really it sounds like you had to shed that personality. You had to shed some of those yeah. beliefs about yourself and about the world. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Shed the personality. That's powerful too. Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit more about what you had to drop? Like what things had to die that had to burn off? I think the most important thing I dropped was I started to realize I can be replaced in about three days. <laughs> right? I mean, I, I used to think, well, I'm indispensable at this place. They can't possibly live without me. Uh, and the truth is that's not, if a company is run well, you are replaceable. And that doesn't mean you're disrespected and not valuable. But if a company is well run, you are irreplaceable because the company needs to go on and continue, whether you stay or get promoted or move into another area. Uh, you, you need to work yourself out of a position, and that should be something to be proud of. Uh, so I, I think that that's probably the biggest thing I learned in the workplace. Uh, in the personal place, I just learned that uh, my my relationships come first. Yeah, that's a great message, right? I'm hearing yeah. like humility and and connection. So we're going to move towards our commercial break now. Okay. In the second segment, we're going to be talking, you know, more about how you recovered, right? What you learned along the way. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd love to talk more about disappointment and, and what that means to you, how you see it in yourself, in the world, or in your practice. Mm. Um, so as we're tuning off. For those of you listening, if you're enjoying this, please check us out on social media. It's Mark M. Azule at pretty much everything. Give us a like, you know, follow us, comment. It's really important, especially as we're launching this new podcast, you know, the most highly anticipated psychology podcast in the world. Uh, you're here on the ground level. Um, that support really helps us to grow and helps us to touch and impact more people. So stay tuned and we'll catch you on the other side of the commercial break. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. In Mark's work with high performers and business owners, it is becoming increasingly clear to him that their biggest obstacle to success is themselves. They are the experts in their field, but are dragged down by their anxiety, poor time management, inability to focus, or self-sabotage. His role is to help you overcome these emotional and organizational issues so that you can truly excel in your business and your personal life. One of the most common hurdles that he sees is perfectionism, a crippling anxiety around performance. It's a fear of not being good enough, being publicly embarrassed, or of disappointing others. These fears paralyze brilliant people and bring them to their knees. This course will help you to break free from this mental prison and have more agency in your world. In this online course, we will break down the prison of perfectionism so that you can break out of it. For more information and to sign up, visit mark-azoulay.teachable.com. That's mark, M-A-R-C-Azoulay, A-Z-O-U-L-A-Y.teachable.com. 
Where can you listen to some of the world's top life coaches ready to dish out success tips and entrepreneurial guidance? The Voice America Empowerment Channel will do just that. Whether it's personal growth, building a better business, or inspirational life stories, make it a daily habit to tune into our programs. From weight loss and personal branding to law of attraction and increased happiness, you'll find it every day at VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. Our thoughts and feelings not only affect our own lives, but the lives of everyone around us. Find new meanings of love, authentic expressions, and better connections with the people in your life. Tune in to Love Light with Dr. Jean Marie Farish. This program will feature guests and discuss ideas that will bring a better life to you. When you find this perspective on love, it will change everything. Listen live every Friday at 12 noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. listening to From the Ashes with Mark Azalea. To reach the show today, please call 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. Or send an email to podcast at mark-azalea.com. Now back to From the Ashes. Welcome back to From the Ashes. I'm Mark Azalea. Sitting across from me is Donna Peters as we're talking about her dark night of the soul. You know, her experience of trying to keep everything together so tightly in her you know intense corporate job trying to make partner and just swimming in disappointment it sounds like i mean really being in this sea of just expectations and demands and what you talked about in the first segment that i really liked is that you had this mantra that you were telling yourself which is donna delivers right donna gets out there makes it happen and yeah I imagine a lot of listeners, I know I've had that where it's like, I'm going to do it. That just kind of like full willpower, force, aggression, um, you know, statement. Uh, but you were talking during the break that you developed a new mantra um, yeah. over the course of this experience. Can you share that a little bit with the audience? Yeah. So I, I reflected on what was so disappointing and hard and stressful about that time when everything was collapsing simultaneously. <laughs> and what was so debilitating was this sense that I was out of control. And maybe it came across in some of the stories I was telling that I really liked being in control. <laughs> so Amen. being out of me too. <laughs> Sign me up. Being out of control was just not something that I felt comfortable with. I found it very stressful. So I, I started to think, okay, well, there for the rest of my life will be many, many things I will not be able to control. I should be able to rationally, again, understand that that is true. So how am I going to emotionally respond when these things are happening that are out of my control in the future because I know that they will continue to happen? And so I started to study a little bit about neuroscience and how you know, the brain is wired for threat detection and I started to think, well, wait a minute. When I feel that I'm not trapped, I feel like I have options. And when I feel that I have options, I feel that I am in control. And what was happening in that moment of extreme disappointment, I felt I didn't, I was out of control. I didn't have any options. It's just, well, this is just going to implode as it will. And I just have to sit here and watch it happen. 
So I developed a new mantra, which was options are power. And what are the ways that I am in control of surrounding myself with options? Because options give you the right, not the obligation to make a change. So I may not need to exercise these options, but if I have other options and things don't go my way, I will have the right, but not the obligation to make a change. Therefore, I'm in control. I'm not trapped. And all of that is goodness. <laughs> so that, that was how I worked myself into it. Yeah. And then I went so far as to develop for myself, how would I, what would I need to do to surround myself with options? And I started with health because I had seen what had happened when my father had his illness. Um, and it, it was a, an aggressive cancer diagnosis. Uh, I learned from that experience that, of course, there are many, many things we cannot control about our health, but control what you can. So from that moment, when I mentioned earlier that I had gained about 40 pounds during this stressful time, I started prioritizing my health, number one, because a lot of that was in my control. And I knew the poorer my health became, the fewer options I would have, number one. Number two was finances. This doesn't mean go out and make a bunch of money. This means be smart about the money that you have and, and living within your means, understanding the implications of the financial decisions that you make, uh, because uh, there is no greater sense of feeling in control than having control of your finances. So that was the second one uh, where I, I love to put experts where expertise lies. And I, I hired a financial planner to help me uh, fully understand where am I today versus where I want to go and how are the decisions in my life fueling the future that I want to have financially? The third area was the people that I choose to bring into my life. Some of that's professional networking. Some of it is more you know, personal family, friends, connections. Some of that involved me divorcing some family members. I don't mean divorce like a marital divorce. But you know, I, I come from the southeastern part of the United States where everybody thinks that blood is thicker than water. There's nothing stronger than family bonds, et cetera. Uh, there were family members that I made a decision at that time, you are no longer allowed into my personal life, as an example. So that, that's another area where uh, I took control of the things I could control uh, by deciding who are the people that I want to allow into my personal life. The next area was around my skills and my strengths and thinking really creatively. And I like the, to use the word, I told you I love words. I like to use the word fungible, thinking really creatively and fungibly, broadly, flexibly about my skills and my strengths. Uh, because just because somebody might be a CPA doesn't mean that they have to work with numbers all the time. They, they could be a very advanced detail-oriented person. They're wonderful at solving puzzles, et cetera. So sometimes I think if we find ourselves thinking more creatively and broadly about our skills and strengths, it opens up different opportunities for us for, for job, career, hobbies, et cetera. And then the last thing I did was I sat down to maybe even perhaps for the first time truly visit my core values. And what were they and how uh, was I going to use those to filter key decisions that I made in my life? My core values are curiosity, freedom, and respect. And I now use those to, to filter key decisions. And then I uh, keep this surround sound of uh, categories where I believe it helps me build options for myself. 
So finances, health, skills and strengths, the people that I bring into my life and being grounded in my core values. Options are power, Mark. That was an incredible presentation. <laughs> I, I love it for one. Okay. I think my journey was like the opposite. Like, I think we have the same, um, <laughs> the exact same idea, right? Like I'm, I also have this thing where options are power. I think that's, I've never said it that way, but it's great mm-hmm. to hear it, you know, kind of boiled yeah. down where, yeah, like freedom actually comes from creating opportunity, right? You have to create opportunity yeah. and then you can take it, you can notice it and you can move forward with it. And I also hate feeling trapped in my journey around, you know, drug addiction and and recovery. I think therapy does it the opposite way. Like you start with values, right. Uh. And you move into relationships (laughs) and then, right. And then you move into um, order, right. Finance. I I just did finances. I'm now in personal training. I'm now doing health. Right. So like, I feel like we're, we're approaching the same thing, but from, from different angles, but there is something just so uh, inspiring. And I hope that people can take this away because it was something that I wish that I heard just the image I have of you, right. It's like your life is you know, quite frankly, it sounds like in wreckage, you mm-hmm. know? Mm-hmm. And it's like, you look around and it takes like such courage. And I truly really mean this. It, like it's something I'm very passionate about. It's such courage to look at reality as it is mm. and to be like, this is broken. Oh, right. Like where you're like, my finances are not working out or my uh-huh. health is not where I want it to be. Uh-huh. Or these relationships with my family are really toxic to me, mm-hmm. you know, or I don't have a social support network or whatever it is. And to be able to like truly see that honestly and, you know, without judgment and to try to make and take incredible, like powerful action towards it. That's a, that's a superpower. That's a real superpower. Oh, you know, wow. um, I see it in my work and I'm sure you probably see it in your work of how many mm-hmm. people can live in delusion right? They live in fantasy or they have these big lies, right? That they tell about themselves or these big, you know, uh, fantasies that they they keep going Uh in order to maintain their sense of self. And I think those dark night of the soul moments, those rock bottom moments, like they break all that. They shatter that so hard where you have to look around and be like, oh, wow, I got, I got nothing. (laughs) You know, like we got some real, (laughs) we got some real problems going on here. Oh, how are we going to move forward? Yeah. One of my favorite questions in my coaching practice is what evidence do you have that that is true? Mm. And, it, and, and it's that, uh, I guess it kind of gets grounded in the self-limiting beliefs, but what evidence would I have had that it's true that this was working well <laughs> or still working for me, right? It was one way to turn, turn the table. Self-limiting beliefs, you would, you would say, well, what evidence do you have, Donna, that you are not promotable? You know, what evidence do you have, Donna, that uh, you are not ready for the next level. That's the self-limiting belief side. The self-delusion side was more, what evidence do you have that this is working and should continue as is? <laughs> so, yeah, but I, I I wish that it didn't have to be such a cataclysmic moment, right, of um, you know a death in the family. Because uh, that, that really, if I had to boil it down to the one thing, it was the the death in the family. But when, when I started to think about my values, curiosity, freedom, and respect, uh, one of the things that I learned through that um, dying process is it is the absolute most common denominator that unites every single human being, right? To be Captain Obvious, right? It is the common denominator. It doesn't matter your race, religion, your That's geography. It's the thing. The thing, yeah. The thing. And uh, what, what I really, really appreciated about my father during that period, so much I appreciate about my dad, 
Uh, but one thing in particular there was he allowed us to talk about it. And he allowed us to have very transparent conversations about the fact that he wasn't going to be here much longer. He actually left me and my brother a list. It had 57 items on it of things that we had to ex- had to execute for my mother when he died. Oh, <laughs> so, wow. And it was amazing. Yeah. You know, what What a gift. So in some ways, I, I, I'm sure some people think this is really morbid. I got very energized about uh, what I learned through it because I was there, right? Because I was there. I made the right decision to be there. Uh, but what I learned through that process, I am so energized by that. I am not afraid of dying. That does not scare me at all. The moment I know that if, if I have the pleasure of knowing when that's going to happen to me, I, I'm going to be the most wonderful, transparent, talkative, dying person you've ever met. Uh, because it is such, it is sadly, but such, a, such a natural thing. Um, so who knows where that curiosity is going to take me? Maybe I'll become a death counselor someday. But I, I'm, I'm, I truly got fascinated by that process and gained a lot of gifts from it. That I, I find a lot of people are very feel uncomfortable talking about. You probably see it in your mental in your mental health practice. People still feel uncomfortable talking about mental health. I feel the same way uh, that we need to be increasing our comfort level in talking about dying. Yeah. Oh, so, yeah. We should definitely talk about death. In the beginning of my career, I worked in a hospice um, oh. for nine months. It was part of my internship. Oh. Kind of the first first job that I had. And I was a companion for some of that. Mm. You know? Oh, my and, goodness. And at the same time, quick story. Uh, at the same time, I was studying Buddhism. And we were learning about, you know, the kind uh-huh. of Tibetan Book of the Dead. Which uh-huh. is this idea. So the whole idea of Tibetan Buddhism, not the whole idea, but a big one, is that the only reason you meditate is to prepare for death. Wow. Because in their belief, what happens when you die, when your brain shuts down, all of your karma, right? All your unfinished business just gets dumped into your brain. Mm. And if that doesn't get resolved, you get stuck in this loop of reincarnation called samsara. And I was learning about this. And then, I kid you not, I was seeing it in real time. Okay. Because we were working in um, a county in Colorado called Mead, which is, if you're from Colorado, you know, it's like a pretty low income, very like rural kind of farm county, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um, which means that the hospice was in their house. um, And they also didn't have access to morphine or to a lot of the painkillers. So a lot of people were dying, you know, quote, naturally, right, instead of being sedated out. And I will tell you, I saw, well, one is some really gross stuff, but I saw like that process happen where people with unfinished business, they would, they die screaming, you know, or they would die crying or they would die like mid sentence. And there's so much emotional intensity Mm. as that stuff is processing through their brain. And then the creepiest part, I'll tell you, it stops because they die, Mm. right? It just, it just cuts off. Wow. And I didn't believe in ghosts until then. (laughs) And I was like, I don't know what happened, but that's a ghost. Like that unfinished process kind of gets stuck somewhere. Um, so I can understand this Buddhist perspective of preparing to die because mm-hmm. if we can work through our own self, if we can improve, if we can meditate, if we can do you know the personal work that you're talking about, yeah. then we become a better vessel for death. Yeah. And and I saw that too. I saw people that died gracefully, mm-hmm. and I will tell you again, I'm not a very religious person, but that was a religious experience of just wow. seeing somebody die in peace. Yeah. Was just I mean, wild. Right. Like brings tears to my eyes. It was an right. incredible, incredible thing. Wow, you just uh, have chill bumps running up and down my arms right now. Uh, I didn't have the words for it until now, but that that's what I had the amazing privilege to experience with my father, was, was somebody dying peacefully. Yeah, 
But it sounds like with that list that he made, he really did that work to unload all that unfinished business. So he wasn't holding on to that, you know, in those final moments. Right. Amazing. Yeah. Well, I I hope, I hope for that for myself someday. I mean, what a, that, that, that will be a a life well lived. Yeah. That's what it is, right? It's a long practice to prepare to die. And Mm -hmm. yeah, it's, it's your whole life. I hope, you know, I think it's Derek Sivers, one book they wrote. He says the idea is to die used, right? So, and he oh. has a line in it, which is like, never forget the patch you made with the universe to give your all, mm-hmm. right? And, and that's something that I try to live with. Like, I want to die used. I want to die knowing that I left everything on the table wow. and I'm ready to go, Yeah. right? And so far, so far, I think I've done that, right? Um, I don't want to die with regret. I don't want to die with fear. I don't want to die with mm-hmm. resentment, right? I want right. to die empty. Yeah. So will we have a chance to uh, end on a higher note? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And on the topic of, uh, <laughs> yeah, we're going to have to pull it up from the ashes for the, <laughs> for, yeah. for our clothes. Yeah. Yeah. In the final segment, we'll talk about something there, but I, I do think, I do think that this is, like you said, it's the thing. And I think it permeates yeah. everything of that fear. Um, yeah, I mean, and some of the people that I work with, they have this sense of like urgency and the uh, sense of like need to get things done, which maybe what you felt I'm hearing on that airplane. Yeah. And they, that can go back to death too, right? Of like yeah. feeling like things are going to end or feeling like you're never going to get it all done or feeling like your life is going to be a waste. I think it's all connected. Yeah. I think it all, it all loops together. Yeah. It's interesting too now that everything's FaceTime or video, Zoom, et cetera, blah, blah, blah. Um, what That technology was a little new when this happened in my family and I started using FaceTime to get my father on the phone and look at his eyes because he could lie to me with his voice about how he was feeling and do I need to come home or not right now? But he couldn't lie to me with his eyes. Right. Because you could see, I I could see pain in the eyes or I could see, you know, a a couple of nights of bad sleep in his eyes, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so, So I think that our, I mean, obviously, I don't want to continue to have video relationships for the rest of my life like COVID has enforced. Uh, but, but I do think that there, there are some things that we can be uh, doing to stay connected to each other at those moments of need, even if you can't physically be there. I think it's really critical. And I love, yeah, I just love the connection that you're able to foster with him. Oh, yeah. So we got to move into our you know, okay. next commercial break. In our third episode, if you're, if you're in our third segment, if you're listening, uh, we'll do something more upbeat. But <laughs> I think it's great to please to come tap, back. Please come back. Uh, we'll tap into some of these ideas. Um, if you're liking uh, what Donna's talking about, you love her story, you relate to her, please check out her website. Uh, you can look at you can look up Me Sweet, her podcast. Um, you can also send an email to us at podcast at mark-azu.com. And I'll forward that all over to Donna if you want to have her back for another episode or you want to get in contact with her, we can make that connection. Um, thanks everybody for listening and we'll see you after the break. We're making it easier to listen to the voice America talk radio network live, wherever you go on iPhone, Blackberry, or Android Download it from the Apple iTunes app store, Blackberry app world or Android market. In Mark's work with high performers and business owners, it is becoming increasingly clear to him that their biggest obstacle to success is themselves. They are the experts in their field, but are dragged down by their anxiety, poor time management, inability to focus, or self-sabotage. His role is to help you overcome these emotional and organizational issues so that you can truly excel in your business and your personal life. 
One of the most common hurdles that he sees is perfectionism, a crippling anxiety around performance. It's a fear of not being good enough, being publicly embarrassed, or of disappointing others. These fears paralyze brilliant people and bring them to their knees. This course will help you to break free from this mental prison and have more agency in your world. In this online course, we will break down the prison of perfectionism so that you can break out of it. For more information and to sign up, visit mark-azale.teachable.com. That's mark, M-A-R-C-Azale, A-Z-O-U-L-A-Y.teachable.com. For teens, by teens, and about teens, tune into the uncensored and unedited discussions with young adults on Express Yourself every Sunday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time and 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Smart, tenacious teen hosts and reporters from around the country speak up and speak out. Express Yourself. Visit the website for the show to find out more at expressyourselfteenradio.com. And check out the show on the Voice America Empowerment Channel every Sunday. Are you ready to move to your next level? Listen for Empowering Women, Transforming Lives with host Rebecca Hall Greider. Each show will focus on a central topic with discussion, guests, and your questions being featured. Our show is perfect for women who feel a call in their heart to step out in a bigger, more powerful way in their life and just need some encouragement, inspiration, and practical steps to support them on their journey. Empowering Women, Transforming Lives can be heard live every Thursday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel with a replay of the show Sunday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Variety Channel. You are listening to From the Ashes with Mark Azalea. To reach the show today, please call 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. Or send an email to podcast at mark-azalea.com. Now back to From the Ashes. Welcome back. I'm your host, Mark Azalea. And in the final segment, what we like to do is we like to speak directly to the listeners. So if any of you are relating to Donna's story, um, some of the themes that we've been talking about, you know, if you're that Donna on the plane right now, you know, having this moment, listening to this thing, you know, at 11 a.m. or what, 4 a.m., something like that, um, in the meditative state, um, we hope that this resonates with you. Donna, what would you like somebody in your position to hear or to know uh, or to remember or to take with them, you know, after hearing this episode? Yeah. So I mentioned earlier that there were a few people who were standing around me at that time that I didn't get terribly specific with. I didn't dump my baggage on them. It just wasn't my style at the time, but I knew they were there, and I later went and thanked them. One of those people said something to me that I have never forgotten, and I use over and over now as a leader of people. I retired as a senior partner from a consulting firm reaching arguably a pinnacle of a of a consulting career and and had the awesome responsibility of marshalling the careers of thousands of people. And I was able to share with them what I had learned through this process from this quotation from this person. And the quotation is, you're important, but not all the time. And it sounds so simple, but I needed to hear that. Because I was the overachiever, right? Remember, I only did things I could make A pluses in. 
And I'm not a competitive person where I go compete head to head with another person. I've never been involved in competitive sports. I do not get jazzed by competition in that way. This was my own internal competition. And I needed to hear from someone, you're important, but not all the time. And if you take that quotation and you match that up against your own personal core values, I think that that's probably the most beautiful combination for anyone listening who is career-driven, right? It, it, I, I, I'm very respectful of and honor people who are career-driven, and I don't think that there's, there's anything shameful in really going after your career with 110% gusto. And if you are that person that is listening, you are 100%, 110% in your career, and you want the best. Maybe you're striving for the C-suite, et cetera. Balance the core values with the you're important, but not all the time. And I think that there's a really peaceful place in the middle somewhere. Yeah. What I hear in that is this message of humility, right? Yeah. That yeah. You're not the center of the universe. Right. Right. And things are going to be fine if you're not there. And if you have done a great job of being a leader, you don't have to be there all the time. Because you've done a proper job of investing in the next generation of leaders You've done a proper job of delegation and of, of, of nurturing people, of trusting them, right, to, to, to do something in your absence. So also in there, which maybe could be another episode, uh, is, is also a lesson in leadership too. So I know we focus this more on me as an individual, but I think there's, a, there's an important lesson here in leadership too. Well, we have some time to talk about it. I'd love to hear, you know, some of the wisdom that you impart uh, as an executive coach or to some leaders mm -hmm. that you work with. You know, how does this experience that you shared highlight the work that you do with other people? Yeah, I think some of the most common themes that I hear in my coaching practice, and this is from every sex, gender, every race, religion, some people think what I'm about to say is more typical to women, and I'm telling you, you're wrong. <laughs> what I'm about to say has nothing to do with sexual orientation or gender. Uh, it, it just is, if you're human, what I'm about to say is relevant in my what I see in my coaching practice. Most leaders are seeking executive coaching when they are on the cusp of maybe a significant promotion. And they're doubting themselves that they're ready for it. And some people might call that imposter syndrome. I, I, I know that that word has more of a technical definition that we probably don't need to bore people with right now. But it's, uh, it, it is probably the most common thing that I see across everyone is the imposter syndrome. So if you already have an, an imposter syndrome kind of a feeling or that I'm not quite sure if I'm ready for the next level or I'm, I'm not quite sure if I'm doing the right thing, um, that you're important, but not all the time can maybe feel like a negative statement because it's reinforcing the insecurity that you had <laughs> that you need to be there to be successful. Am I making sense? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. So I, I do think you, you, you have to be a confident person to really take to heart. You're important, but not all the time. Uh, but I, I also find that my, tr my true definition of leadership is somebody that's confident enough to surround themselves with people who know things they don't know. And your real job is just to have the really smart question and then surround yourself with the people who can help you answer that question. And there's also, that also translates to you're important, but not all the time, which is surround yourself with that, that, uh, 
phalanx of people that can do things on your behalf and under your vision and leadership, but they're bringing the expertise that you don't have. But I, but I, th- I think that that's a, that's a journey too. that le- leadership is really more of a mindset than a position on an org chart. Yeah, I totally agree with that. It's the mindset and it, it's a, yeah, it's a whole state of mind. It's a whole like lifestyle, really. Oh, yeah. To start to have that leadership piece. And, you know, what you were saying earlier made me associate to, to what you were talking about of only doing things that you're good at. Um, yeah. And I, I had that same experience, right? And I'm actually going through that in some way now where, you know, I'm good at this, you know, my job, I'm good at business, I'm good at my finances, et cetera, et cetera. But I'm really behind on, you know, my physical health in some ways, mm. on datings and relationship. And I hear from my clients too, there's just such a massive gap, right? Mm. Of like, I'm crushing it. I'm like above average, right? On all these dimensions. And there's some dimensions where I'm just like a child, right? Oh. I, I can't even like feed myself, right? I'm just like dribbling all <laughs> over myself. And I think that really does enforce that imposter syndrome that you were talking about, mm-hmm. because we know we as leaders or we as high performers know yeah. that what we're putting out to the world, even though it's us, there is a fakeness to it. There's a mask to it. Mm-hmm. And there's other parts of us that are really behind. And that can be really disturbing for people, as it sounds like it was for you. Oh, this is interesting because I, I did develop one of my favorite questions. And this has only been developed within the last couple of years. My favorite question as a leader has become, well, actually, wait, it's not a question. Sorry, it's a statement. <laughs> <laughs> I kept calling it a question. It's actually not a question at all. It's a statement. The directive. It's a directive. My favorite statement as a leader now is, are you ready? Drum roll. I'm ready. I don't know. Oh my gosh. I just, it's so freeing to be able to say, I don't know, but overachiever, I'm going to go figure it out. I'm going to find the right people who do know, but I'm not embarrassed or uh, I don't feel less important because Mark knows something I don't know. I'm going to bring him in to solve this problem. There is so much freedom and release in being able to say confidently, I don't know but I'm going to figure it out. Yeah. And that's like the hardest thing, right? For people that yeah. are overachievers, that is like the hardest thing because <laughs> yeah. we find safety in control, right? Or in yeah. competency yeah. or in feeling like we're an expert or feeling like we're right or whatever, you know, your current flavor of it is. So to be able to really admit with humility, like, I don't know, or like somebody's better at me at this particular thing, like that yeah. takes, <laughs> takes a surprising amount of personal work. Yeah. I like to go back to, I mentioned my, one of my core values is curiosity. I like to go back to curiosity when I say, I don't know, and think of it like a game or a puzzle. And and I almost have a subtext under it. The subtext is, I say, I don't know to you, Mark, but my subtext is how cool is this? I don't know this and I'm going to go figure it out. It's a total mindset shift. Uh, when I was a more junior leader and not as confident in that leadership position, I don't know was paralyzing. Yeah. Oh yeah. Because it's, at least for me, it's that fear of abandonment. It feels like yeah. if they know, if they know that I don't know, yeah. I'm out of here. <laughs> right? here. Like they're right. going to, they're going to find it out. I'm going to get right. kicked out. I'm going to lose my job. <laughs> yeah. You know, I'm going to get kicked out again. Remember I told you I'd already gotten kicked out that one terrible time. <laughs> it was awful. <laughs> yeah. That's, that really is the thing. Yeah, I think that's the great message people take away is this idea of, of humility and yeah, surrounding yourself people, surrounding yourself with experts. You know, um, my in my when I was a junior leader, I would do the leadership style of the founder syndrome thing, where I would oh. be, you know, 
probably wouldn't be, but I thought I was even more problematic, the smartest person in the room. Mm-hmm. And then I would just do everything. And then I would yeah. enable people just to like, you know, either applaud me or validate me, but they wouldn't actually do anything. Yeah. And the company that I started like really dovetailed and like fell really quickly because it was just one person. Uh-huh. Right. And I ended up burning out and this, you know, there, there's a whole story there, but I think that's common, especially in some of the startups that I work with is people that are there because they want to be smart. One, right? They want to be the expert. Yeah. 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 And that's an interesting, I mean, your ability to tell that story right now, right. It, you know, to be transparent about it, vulnerable about it. Uh, that takes a mature leader to you know pull back the covers and tell a story where they screwed up. Right. So I think that it's really powerful that you share it. And I remember you love books, right? I do. I do you love, love books. books. I yeah. am literate. Yeah. Yeah. You, you are literate. I have evidence. Uh, you uh, you jogged a memory when we were talking about humility and how do you grow that confidence in saying things like, I don't know, or it's okay to fail, et cetera. Uh, I have come across a book that I am growing to love more and more every day, and it's called Humor Seriously. And it is two uh, women researchers, PhDs out of Stanford, who have a research-based approach to the criticality of humor in the workplace. And one of the components, one of the values of humor in the workplace is what you were just describing. How can you be self-effacing as a leader? How can you make fun of yourself when you screw up? How can you make light of a situation when somebody else screws up and feels so terrible? Right. So there's a, I, I, I loved, I love when I find science and research behind a squishy topic. Right. And humor is squishy, especially humor in the workforce is squishy. And now we found some people to bring some more science and, and method to the madness. So I, w- I would recommend that for listeners if they're interested. That's an awesome resource. I know, like, mm-hmm. and I think it just, you know, ties this episode up nicely. Like, for me, it sounds like for you too, like the ticket to humility was humor. Yeah. Like if I, I had to be able to laugh at myself, I'd be like, wow, that was a real cluster. You know, like that was a whole yeah. problem. <laughs> um, but we have to start to wrap up here. Yeah. Donna, we, could, we could go on for another hour, but, you know, I'll probably have you back in another episode. Can you tell people quickly where they might find you um, and how to access you outside this podcast? Yes, certainly. So uh, you can access me for many, many free available resources to you at my website. It's the me suite. And that phrase is a, a play on C-suite. So it's the dash me dash suite.com and suite here is spelled like executive suite. And at the website, you'll find 130 plus podcast episodes uh, from all different types of career driven, life-minded people that we're interviewing and also a wealth of blog material. And I would love to hear from you. That's fantastic. Well, thank you all for tuning in. Uh, Please like us on Facebook, hit us on Twitter, do all the stuff. Give us a five-star review on your podcast platform because we deserve it. And it helps a young podcast like this kind of like get its wings and get uh, get itself off the ground. So thank you for tuning in and we'll see you next week on From the Ashes. Thank you for joining host Mark Azale for From the Ashes. Be sure to tune in again live next Friday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. We'll have another edition of the program then. Meet triumph and disaster and treat those two imposters the same. Until next time.